Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hello and happy Friday. I hope that you have had an amazing week. We are so happy to be here on Friday discussing all things Defending Jacob, episode four, Damage Control. I'm Latoya Blakely, your host, and I am joined by my amazing co-host, we have Elgin Ball, a huge Chris Evans fan. Hi, Elgin. Hi, how's it going, guys? Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm excited to talk about this show. And we also have Kay Montgomery, who is our human behavior specialist with an undergraduate degree in human development and a master's in school counseling. Welcome, Kay. Hey, hey, guys. So excited to get into it. And we have a lot to talk about. We're going to break down Jacob's story. We're talking about boundary pushing investigations because it gets a little sketchy in this episode. And we're also talking about relationships. We have a special segment that's going to be brought to us by Kay, as well as news and gossip uh, predictions. So make sure you stay tuned throughout the entire episode. Before we get started, let's talk overall thoughts. Kay, what did you think about this episode? Oh, well, it brought up a lot of um, issues surrounding men and friendships, I thought. That tipped off something for me because I saw an interesting article about that a few years ago. Um, And then also um, just like the fragility of Lori's character was she was she she feels to me like she's like teetering on the edge this episode. Yeah. I think that I can agree with that. Elgin, what did you think? Yeah, I we were rooting for Lori, and, and I was highly disappointed in this episode with her. Um, I thought it was a lot of good points that were shown in this show about a lot of the characters, and it's interesting. I, I'm very interested about some of these characters' progressions now. That's very interesting. I think that I kind of see Lori a little differently. Like to me, she felt very human and she's been Mm -hmm. iced out by everyone. And now she's kind of alone and she's looking at her family, like, who are you people? And maybe neither of you are who I thought you were. So I think that I sympathize a bit with Lori. Andy, I think is out of control. Uh, So overall for this episode, I was just like, okay, wow. All right, I see you. So there were some interesting things happening. The episode started with Jacob and his parents, Lori and Andy, sitting with the defense attorney. And she is trying to get Jacob's story for the day that he found Ben's body. What did you all think about that meeting? But bless her heart. You know, she is just salt of the earth in here. He got the best attorney. She runs it to you straight. She asks the hard questions. Um, 
I thought it was a really tough scene, you know, walking him through. Did you kneel? Did you go down on your knees? Your pants would have been dirty. I think like her saying, you know, memory is strange the way it works. And I've heard a lot about, like I've read up a lot about memory and especially in a traumatic situation, like she said, in a situation that's stressful, your memory can play tricks on you, which I thought was really good how they showed him standing and then they showed him kneeling and then they also showed another memory of him leaning over you know all of these scenarios that looked like they were flashing back to his memories but totally different scenarios mm -hmm. so I thought that was really like accurate because I think sometimes it be like that um that's up to debate whether we think that really happened but um that idea of memory being malleable I really liked and I thought She's just such an excellent lawyer. What do you think, Elgin? I think that scene was good and that it kind of showed where the lawyer stood and that she was really trying to help him, even though a couple of the characters thought, you know, that she was against them. And I feel like Jacob as a character needs that. Uh, let's just say he's lucky that he doesn't have to be on stand because the way that she was billing him, if he couldn't, he would have got destroyed if he had to get up there and do, you know, the questioning and stuff because it would have made him look really bad up there. So it's good that she's trying to instill that in him or trying to prep him for that because if not, it would have been a wrap. So I really liked how that scene was um, laid out. Yeah, I agree with kind of the points that Kay brought up about like memory really is a tricky thing, especially in high adrenaline, high stress situations. I tell mm -hmm. this story, the worst thing I've ever done in my life is I hit a dog um, and it happened so fast. And I tried to like replay what happened, but my honest answer was, I don't really know what happened. I saw fur, I felt a bump. <laughs> I looked in the rearview mirror. But, you know, people who try to tell you A happened and then B happened and then C happened, mm -hmm. I don't believe that because you just don't know. Like, you, you do not know. And so, you know, I, I liked the lawyer. I do think that, like Kay said, she's a good lawyer. And she's like, I don't need to believe you. I'm not your mama. I'm not your daddy. Like, my job <laughs> is to get the facts. <laughs> Have and you I, used that line before? Oh, my gosh. I'm not your mama. I'm not your daddy. I'm not your best friend. I'm not your girlfriend. I'm not your wife. Like, <laughs> I am not concerned about those things. Give me the facts and let me figure out how I can help you. And so she was so right about that. And, you know, I do like the scene between Andrew and the attorney when, you know, in the meeting, they were like, we don't have to present a defense. The state has to prove their case. Right. But mm -hmm. afterwards, they came right. together right. and they were like, we need a story. <laughs> you need a case. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, there was a lot happening in that meeting. I would have kicked the parents out. Like I would have not had them in the meeting. Like I just want to talk to my client and I need you to tell me what you remember. I do agree that the lawyer was a little hard hitting. Were you standing, mm -hmm. were you squatting? Were you... I don't remember, like that's an honest answer. I don't know, but the facts are the same. If you believe those facts, right? He saw him, he approached him, he turned him over. I don't really care if you were squatting, kneeling or not. I just need to know if I believe that you actually saw him and flipped him over. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot happening, which then leads to the next question. 
Lori asked Jacob, is there any, no, asked Andy, is there any part of you that believes that he did this? And Andy was like, Ooh. absolutely not. What do y'all think about that? Do you think he was telling the truth? I think they both need to be honest with each other. And what's that truth? They both know they son could have had killed this kid. <laughs> they know it. Or else they wouldn't be so doubtful with each other. Okay, what do the, you think? The the certainty. They're like, of course not. I was just like, there's no, even a possibility? Like, there's not even a, a shred or an ounce. You know, I mean, it's just more of setting them up to be on the opposite ends of everything, you know? It's just yeah. really, you know, it continues to set them up to be, you know, a pro and a con, a for and an against, so. I just, I'm ready to see the results of these medical tests. Of the, you know, we see Jacob looking at the pictures and he's pushing a button. I don't know what that button is supposed to represent yet. And then he gets, I don't, what was it, a CT scan or? It look at MRI or whatever, yeah. I need yeah. to see the results. And I need to know what these <laughs> They don't come back like Maury Povich. Your son is 99.9% right. the killer. What is that? I need, I need you are the killer. <laughs> you are the killer. <laughs> There's just so much that happens in this episode. Um, oh, man. Before we move on, I just want to take a moment to thank our viewers for watching, our listeners for listening. We cannot do this without you. I know I speak for myself as well as my co-host when I say that we love showing up, discussing the shows that we're watching. The shows are amazing. The conversations are amazing. So thank you for watching. Please keep watching. You can find us on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast, leave comments. We like reading them. Um, five stars. Give us a thumbs up. Thank you again for watching. So. We find out, well, we see two things. So dad has kind of gone rogue and he is investigating this case on his own. He is following up with Pat because he thinks that Pat is the actual killer. And then we also learn that there is a reporter from the Globe in town. So we have two investigations happening. Neither of them feel very ethical or okay um okay just tell me what you thought about both of those situations listen i was a hundred percent on board listen him throwing away the knife i thought was dirty but him trying to investigate it on his own i was like yeah yeah do that do that so he said before you have boundaries i don't when he told his wife that in bed i was like our job is to protect our son. He said whatever it takes. I'm like, oh, he on his Malcolm X. My boy said anything's necessary. He out in these streets. He went to this little punk house. This is what, this, I, this is probably my favorite scene of the entire episode. When he goes to this kid's house and the mom like lets him in and then she kind of sizes him up with that Boston accent. I was like, I live for the color in this episode. And him coming out and like telling his mom to shut up. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But how he read the kid, like everything he said, I, it just clicked to me. I was like, I never thought about it. I never thought about that. That just makes sense. He isn't the kind of kid that would, and, and in the timeline, tell me if I'm wrong about the timeline. I thought that Pat had done this assault on this kid a long time ago. I didn't realize this was recent. 
And also, I'm picturing a little kid. I'm thinking this kid is like nine. But here come a, you know, a halfway grown boy out this room that been, I don't do, I don't know doing what, you know, with his girlfriend. And how he just sizes them up. Like, you wouldn't have let him touch you. You too old for that. You would have beat him down. What is you doing in a library? I was just like, oh, yes, the key. Like, oh, he came through. And I know he's not an investigator. Latoya has established He's just a lawyer, but to have him come in and just do the quick read, I was like, yes. So I cannot wait to see this kid back. I cannot wait to see what he shakes out of this kid or gets this kid to say. Um, I thought it kind of reaped a privilege for him to try and appeal to this kid by saying, my son's freedom is on the line. I was like, dude, you just came in this guy's row house. It's a mess. He cussing his mama out. The first thing I would have been like is like, can I take you to dinner? Let me give you $500. Just tell me everything you know about old man. <laughs> Why are you in here like, my son's freedom is on the line. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Like, really? Yeah. So that was surprising to me. But this, that's, that whole scene with him going to see that kid. <sighs> Favorite scene. LJ. What was the question? No. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. LJ. LJ. I'm taking it back right now. I'm not even going. By K or by the C? Or by the I loved it. I loved it. He's going to get that. That right. kid is going to come up with so much stuff. That kid has something for us. Go ahead, LJ. You, I still don't think Pat's is the killer, but that's just me. It's a lot of suspicion going on with it, but you know how these shows do that. That was too obvious. They're going to pull a twist. And they go grab everybody's attention and then just shake them up at the end. But I feel like he does have something to do with it. I think uh, Andy feeling as if he has to take things into his own hand. I'm all for it. That's your son. You got to defend your son when nobody else ain't. So I really, I like that. Um, Lori, how you let this girl pull the okie doke on you? Like with the sugar. <laughs> She said, can I get some sugar, please? And then had a whole conversation with you. But I see how, how the okie doke happened because this here you had this lady who was shut out from everything. She wanted to go to the gala and talk to her friends who really wasn't even her friends. They friends again, but that's a whole nother discussion. And she wanted to have that social interaction. She's been cut off from everything. So when the opportunity presented itself, when a lady stalked her in, into a restaurant, she took full advantage of her. But that's why I'd be saying a lot of people, what they do is they won't say anything and they'll let people just talk. And that's how people get caught up because they don't say anything. They'll just be like, mm-hmm. And she gave everything to that lady. So everything. I just got to be careful out here in these streets. <laughs> and then when Gabby was... Huh? No, go ahead. On what Gabby was, she was like, is there any parts that you want left out? <laughs> <Yeah>. Goodbye. I <laughs> was not down for either Andy or I think her name was Janine. Either of them. Mm -hmm. Like, I pride myself on, like, doing the right thing and being a stand-up mm -hmm. person. And I'm like, Andy has control over nothing, first of all. Like, you don't even know what your own son's doing. And then you're trying to walk up in someone else's house to regulate? Not. Nah. Like, not. Nah. That was bold. Yeah. He was so rude to that kid. And the mom <laughs> sat there. First of all, the kid was rude. When he came out of his room and he was, like, talking to his mom like that, I was Shut like, up, mom. 
we just like right like we just take that okay mom i see and then i would not be here trying to read him i was like andy sit down like (laughs) nobody afraid of you like stop it but the weirdest part was when the kid had had enough and he was like Mom, get him out of here. I was like, wait, you need your mom now? Like, I thought, cut your mom out. Right, I thought you saw the side. I'm confused. But I do think that that kid could have been molested, sexually assaulted. Because in my mind, like watching him, to me, the persona made sense. You've been violated by a man and now you mm-hmm. feel, or by anyone, and now sexually violated. And now you feel the need to be all these things, right? To portray yourself as hard and that mm-hmm. you have everything under control and that no one can touch you. But maybe that's not actually who you were prior to this situation happening. Because I don't see what him and Pat could have in common. Well, he said, is he your dealer? Are you his dealer? And I was like, hmm. But even if you are, like, how does that translate to you then claiming that something happened, right? Because he didn't pay you when he was supposed to. You know he has a a rap sheet. So you went to the cops with that to, like, get him in trouble. But you're going to say that someone touched you? Like to me, yeah, that is kind of weird to say something, but that, you know, yeah. he's a sex offender, so you're gonna go with he touched me because that's gonna be the fastest thing to get him to go down. Yeah, I, it's an interesting And if you a kid, story. you probably don't realize that's gonna get out in the street, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know, like, and everybody go no, and maybe so, maybe nobody does know about it because he is a minor, it isn't like they're gonna be like, I don't remember the kid's name to save my life, but it isn't like the papers are gonna be like, Josh Williams got touched by a pedophile, right? Yeah, it's yeah, between like him and his mom and the guy. So, I don't I, know, especially how his face was looking when he was like. Picking out all of these, you know, scenarios, mm-hmm. and he was just like, uh, 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 get out, you know. It was just <laughs> very interesting. Wait, starting with the mom, if your child have been sexually assaulted, why would why would you let someone come in and talk to your child about that? Like that would be the like to me that was the first red flag. Like I want to protect my child. This is mm-hmm. a traumatizing situation. Like I don't know you. No, you can't talk to him. Like that entire scenario was very strange to me. So I am very interested. Right, she let him in. Yeah, but you know they got a weird situation anyway, because he come out like, mom, shut up, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, oh, I see you on TV. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I recognize you from TV. And I mean, he does have that Captain America face. I don't know. Okay, all right. Use that face to get in many a place. (laughs) It was interesting. And then Janine. I felt so bad for Lori because Lori thought she had like made a friend and I could so see me being that person like, do you want to share my side? She's so desperate. <laughs> it was just sad. She'd been, like I said, iced out. Her friends weren't her friends. Her family, she's looking at both of them like, I don't really know you. She's ordered. You know, that's true. I didn't think about that. She really was. She really is at this point. Like, I cannot trust these dudes. Right. She's that's ordered true. this either information on the grandfather like she is doing her own mm-hmm. investigation and trying to figure out who these oh, people yeah. are <laughs> yeah they go yeah they go get divorced <gasps> oh, they they do. The marriage. i'm calling that right now it's a lot and you know what of- though this made me think because when she was like come to think of it <laughs> to the lady just girl tell her whole life story 
But um, it was believable, right, because of everything that had happened, especially that night. But when she was like, come to think about it, he doesn't have any, you know, real good I close friends either. And I've always mm -hmm. been his close friend and blah, blah, blah. So what is really interesting is like a couple of years ago, this article came out, the Boston Globe uh, ran it and a bunch of people latched on to it. Um, mm -hmm. Shankar Redanton did a special on the hidden brain about it, but he was talking about how middle age, when it comes to middle aged men, loneliness is more deadly than obesity and smoking. So it was talking about how once men hit middle age, they do not have friends and they are very lonely. And it was really interesting because I have a middle aged husband and we have talked about that before. And he even started amongst his friends a male friend group where they like get together and bond and do stuff because he realized like I heard that article a few years ago and I was like have you thought about this and he was like yes totally true so I don't think that it is atypical for a middle-aged man to not have a lot of friends I don't and the research backs me up on that it's not just me talking like that's legit that's for real but yeah. is he a sociopath and a weirdo like I Maybe was, for other reasons. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that she said he never had a, a lot of friends and maybe I liked that I was his only person. Because that says a lot, right? Like that, that says a lot. lot. But yeah. you had said that. I think you had said that. Yeah. That Andy didn't seem to have a lot of friends. And then when she said that, I was like, oh, that backs up what Kay had said. I just felt bad for Lori at the diner i mean she sees the gala with her co-workers that she's not a part of anymore and she goes mm -hmm. to have this dinner and she suspected the woman in the beginning but the woman like played it down so then laurie is like okay well i'll try to like reach out to her and then the woman invites her over and the whole time the woman has this like hidden agenda so i mm -hmm. felt bad for laurie but she the funny thing right. is the woman didn't have to dig for any information like she was At like all. oh are you married but she set the whole so scene up. She set the whole scene up. She and did. That's why it's hard for me to be like, okay with it. Because she knew what she was doing. Right. I mean, I'm not okay with it, but I'm like, Lori, you can't just be, like Elgin said, she needs to take an Elgin class. You can't be talking to everybody in these streets. <laughs> we were rooting for you. The good thing is, she, she didn't say much, right? She just said, yeah. like, yes, she did. But from an emotional standpoint, she didn't say yeah. much from like facts of the case. She just talked about how like it was affecting her personally. But and actually, they gonna spin that so cold. Best, exactly, that's what you need in a magazine article. But I don't want to see facts. I want to hear like a bunch of juice. Like but, all their friends have deserted them. Her husband's on his last leg. Like all of that stuff. That's gonna be the best stuff. Well, and why did she different. tell dude when she got home? I'm like, why are you not telling him? Probably because he has secrets. And she's like, I'm not going to tell mm -hmm. him that I messed up. But I did think, I was like, okay, she's going to tell him what happened. And then she didn't say anything. I thought she was going to tell him. Me too, at first, when she had went out of restroom, it kind of like she was like second guessing herself. But I'm like, they kind of almost at the point where it's almost too late if they have like everyone start trusting each other because I feel like they did have that moment in the uh, other episodes like everyone's secrets needs to come out now yeah right. she was the one that said that and then here <laughs> she go hiding some more secrets see this is this is too much man but you know they put her in a corner and now she's just trying to adapt which takes me to the next situation of them at uh -huh. dinner and and Jacob's mad like why are we pretending to be normal 
So that mm-hmm. stuck out to me because episode one, when they set the tone of the show and the family, I was like, this family feels a little off to me. So then when mm-hmm. Jacob was like, why are we pretending to be normal? I was like, thank you, Jacob. I knew you all weren't normal. <laughs> like, <let me> know. <laughs> But when she said, she was like, I have no idea what to do. Like, tell me, just tell me and I'll do it because I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I just, I just thought that was interesting. And I think it's interesting how Lori's character feels like a mom. She feels like a mom and a woman who's struggling within the the boundaries or, or the constraints of this familial relationship. Like she doesn't really know who her husband is. She doesn't know who her son is. She's been iced out of work. And so now she's stuck, but I can still see and feel her being motherly. Hmm. Andy is just always angry. Like I've yet to see him be fatherly or like loving. When he saw Sarah in the room, he was like, hey, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's a play by the video game if you got a girlfriend. Okay, okay, it's fine. But what did he do before he saw Sarah? Yeah, he yeah was that was so man. hilarious. I was like, so it's okay to be playing video games now or? Yeah. But I was happy to see Sarah there. I was happy to see Sarah there because I was like, okay, she's on, she's on Jacob's team. I was gonna say our team. I don't know if I'm on Jacob's team, but anyway, <laughs> we need more Sarah screen time. That's all I know. That's I like true. Sarah. I trust her. I trust her. So, what do you, what do you think about Sarah and then Sarah Jacob and then Sarah Jacob Derek? Like, what is she up to? Or like, what do you think that she's thinking? Mm, take it, Elgin. I, like I said last time, I, I, I'm still hold on to my, my predictions with her in that she's that person that's still trying to decide. I feel like she she holds the puzzle to all the pieces right now. Like she she knows everything, but she's still stuck tied to whatever group of those other people, especially with Derek. She's still tied to that. So she's kind of scared on what to do. But I feel like she'll come through and do what needs to be done at the end, whether that's testifying or, or giving more evidence or just leading someone down the right path. As her relationship with Jacob, she might need somebody better later down the line because the kid is so disassociated from feelings and empathy. She might just need to just stay friends with him if that's what people are thinking of shipping the two together. So. That's just that on that. Okay, what do you think? <laughs> I agree with Elgin, but I also was frustrated this episode because, you know, the last episode ended and she was calling the cops, you know? So I felt like that storyline was going to progress, but actually the only thing we get is that um, Derek, you gets pulled in, him and his mom mm-hmm. are pulled in and questioned. Oh, yeah, yeah. We don't know what they're questioned about. We don't know what she said, you know? The only kind of things we can infer are that maybe she's, maybe she's on Jacob's team, but we don't know if she talked to the cops and the cops were like, we need you to get some information from here, or we need you to ask him X, Y, Z. She could have been wearing a wire. Like we have no idea what was going down. So I was frustrated with that because I was like, oh, I meant to see that storyline kind of progress. I do agree with you. I had a few feelings of like ulterior motive. Like why is she really here? Is she trying to get information? Who's she reporting to? And so I thought that Derek was going to message her at the end of the night and be like, well, what did you find out? Or like, how was mm. it? So I, she seems genuine, but 
at the same time, I can't help but wonder like what else is happening behind the scenes. I do have to say that I was on the actress who plays Sarah, her Instagram, and the actress herself is very artistic and is into art. And so I feel like she, as a person, can identify a lot with Sarah. Um, so I thought that was good casting. Let me find out she had to do have something to do with the death of this kid. Let me find out that she framed <laughs> Jacob. Hold up. You, you know what we did? No, we're not even about to do that right now. Let me Elsa, find out. spoilers. They have a prediction. Right? Predictions. Um, one That's other true. relationship that we have to discuss is mm. Andrew and his dad, Bloody Billy Barber. Was that it? <laughs> did y'all get that yep. name? Yes. yes. Which um, is so disrespectful. Let me just say. <laughs> Anytime you nickname a murder, it trivializes the crime completely. Like he killed whatever this young girl, but then to give him a name like he's some kind of, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, that just struck me as so wrong when I heard it. I was like, well, he got a nickname out here. Like, I don't know. That just really rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, I just hate it. I, I hate that. I, hate I think I really it goes hate. back to what you said earlier, though. It's the ability to sensationalize an article, right? Like, mm -hmm. Bloody Billy Barber. Oh. Bloody Billy is like a terrible name, and it, it brings up terrible images, and I'm sure that's why the name came out. But we see the flashback of Andy as a kid visiting his dad in jail, which I thought, I really like that scene. I think that mm -hmm. it gave us really important, relevant information in a very interesting way, right? We don't see dad's face. We see certain things about him, like his teeth. And we, you can kind of hear what he's saying, but even that is a little muffled and out of focus. But you really see mm -hmm. how Andy was just a kid and what he was subjected to and what he experienced and how the mom ended it and, and drug him out, right? Um, which made me think, why was the mom ever with this man? Like, he seemed so scary, <laughs> right? <laughs> And that they were still married. I, I don't know if they were estranged or what that situation was, but for them to be like, they were still married at that point. I was just like, what? There's no way he raped and murdered a girl and didn't used to beat that mom. There's no way I'm believing that. And was that mean to the kid and was jerking him and jump all into prison? And now, so the doctor who's running the test on Jacob has gone to the jail and wants to run DNA test on the dad. And he has said, no, like the only way I'm willing to do it is if Andy comes to see me. I think he's going to tell Andy that he's not guilty. But no, am I, am I by myself? He can tell Andy anything he won't. He won't. <laughs> Y'all think dad's guilty? Um... Yeah, you think I'm he's guilty? Say, yeah. Well, he didn't look guilty at that ending scene. Right, right, right. And maybe he, him as a kid fabricated that scene since we was talking about memories earlier. Maybe that wasn't the right memories as a kid that he had. Maybe that was kind of fabricated, but I don't know. He did have that tattoo knife on his arm, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, my tattoo, I don't have a tattoo right there, but. <laughs> I mean, choose a better tattoo. You can't get a, right. a, a night tattoo and then be slicing people up. Like, huh? <laughs> you way on brand, bro. You real on brand with that. Right. He was probably a butcher. 
I feel like a butcher in Boston makes sense. That was a fancy knife. There wasn't no butchering knife. That was a slicing knife. He had tattoos. It was no chop. Slicing knife. Wow. Yeah. How about? Okay, I I watched the trailer. So I knew that the dad, I watched the trailer for this episode. Okay, okay. And in that trailer, it shows you that the dad is the actor J.K. Simmons, which whom I love. So I was yeah. expecting to see way more of him this episode. And then I was kicking myself because at the end you get the reveal. So yeah. I was like, oh man, everybody got the J.K. Simmons reveal. So I'm never watching any more trailers for any episodes, <laughs> period. Because I love J.K. Simmons. The hardest role well, that I've seen that he played was um, Whiplash. And I saw that edit, you know? And all he was doing was kind of smacking the kid around. So to see him, like, being mean and a hardened criminal in a cell, I was like, oh, J.K. Simmons, is that you? Farmers? Dun, 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 dun. Like, is that you? I yeah, thought he I done. looked nice and remorseful in, in the cell. How long has he been in jail? <laughs> At least 30 years. A long time, yeah. 30 35. Yeah. And what, he got a life sentence? He got a life sentence. Yeah, I think he got a life sentence. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that do, you know. He gets off well, the water. He did look know. sad in there, but people put their best foot forward when they try to seem innocent, so. Well, there will be a lot <laughs> to, to explore. Before we move on to special segment, I just have to say that I find it interesting. In one of the previous episodes, it could have been episode three, I'm not sure, and also in another mm-hmm. crime drama that I watched, character said, we believe in the system. Mm. And as someone who works in this system, <laughs> I just thought that was very interesting. That that was it, it. It felt like product placement or like idea pushing, um, and I just want to know briefly, how do you two feel about that? Briefly, I caught that when Andrew said it. I caught it when Andrew Andrew said it. But interestingly, in that same episode, we see him. We see him throw away a knife. So you really don't trust the system because if you did trust the system, you would have let them find the knife, match it up. Just the fingerprint, you know, do whatever. And so I think what he's saying and what he actually thinks or maybe what he used to think for other people. You know, a lot of times we have uh, different rules for other people versus ourselves. So I think for other people, he was like, the system works for other people. But in this case, where my son's life is in danger, let me go and shake down a few people and throw away a knife in order right. to get the right justice. Right, right. That was all thinking. Mm. Elgin, do you have anything to add to that? Well, if I said that, I wouldn't have said uh, whatever it takes, aka a side note, that is a good homage to Avengers Endgame. Um, I wouldn't have threw away a knife. I wouldn't have stalked somebody to figure out where they're going at. I wouldn't have intimidated a young kid so I can get some evidence. Uh, I wouldn't have asked. No, 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 and no. I would have had tried to ask my friend for evidence who really isn't my friend because they told me I'm not their friend. <laughs> I just would have had done all of that, you know. It's just a lot that I would have had done. I would have just trusted the system and, you know, if they're innocent, then they're innocent. You know, I just feel like it's one of those things where you love a law or a rule when it favors you and then when it doesn't, mm-hmm. they, that then we have a problem yep. with it. Right. 
So moving on, okay, special segment. What do you have for us Yes, yes, yes. So you know my special segment is featuring people that have been wrongly accused that were innocent. I don't know if um, our producer of this segment can throw it up. I sent them a picture of this uh, book called The Sun Does Shine. It became an Oprah book pick. Um, Anyway, it's by Anthony Ray Hinton, who spent 28 years on death row for crimes he did not commit. He was set up in the 80s by the Alabama justice system. So when you say what, you know, who the system benefits is really interesting. So, I mean, there was a whole um, corruption and collusion situation that went on with him because he did actually have an alibi. um, But the cops said to him in his face when he arrested him, you have an alibi, but you're going to go to jail for this. I don't care. You know, so they basically set him up. uh, almost a decade later, his lawyer, Brian, Brian Stevenson, which the, he does uh, the Innocence Project, um, he went, fought his case, and then it, t- but it took him over a decade to get him out. I mean, so he had been in for almost 30 years. Anyway, um, the book is actually also based on a movie called Just Mercy, where Michael B. Jordan plays the character Brian Stevenson, Ooh. the lawyer. Um, but after he got out, he wrote this amazing book. Oprah chose it as a book club pick. Um, so it, it's just an amazing story. I encourage anybody to listen to the podcast. Oprah did an uh, hour-long interview with him, and he just talks about how he basically kept his faith while he was on death row. And his first three years, he was in complete solitary confinement. He couldn't read books. He couldn't talk to people. He couldn't have visitors. It was insane. And that's inhumane. And, and that's what gets Man. me. You know, I go to and we have to move on, but I go to jails and I see clients and they're not in solitary confinement and you just see how their human side starts to decline and they become animalistic and a little <laughs> delusional. And the fact that you put someone in solitary confinement with no stimulation and no contact with outside people and you think that's okay and you expect them to get out and be productive members of society, but with what? Like, what have you given them to be productive members of society? I could go yeah. on. I'm not going to. Elgin, losing gossip, what do you have for us? Yes. So there are a lot of celebrities that have found out about the friend and Jacob. Uh, we got Octavia Spencer uh, tweeting about it, uh, about Hi. the show, and says that she loves it. Uh, she has caught up on all the episodes. She tweeted about it. And, yeah, and on some little bit of gossip, uh, there's been some talkings, a little bit of rumors that there's trying to be a petition. A lot of people petitioning for a second season of Defending Jacob or some sort of other limited type series that is just like this. So, you know, y'all go ahead and sign up for that. With Chris Evans or just like in uh, just the same thing? Yeah, with, they want it to be with Chris Evans. Um maybe like a continuation of what happens after this. So I'm like, I'm definitely down to see that. I need Uh, to see this petition. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What about predictions? What do y'all think we're going to see in episode five? Go for it, Elgin. You got it. Uh, I think the other dad and son duos go meet up. He just go come for a quick swab and dip out. And that's pretty much that. Maybe him and Lori are gonna have another argument again. I feel like things are heating up with them and tensions are definitely gonna come to a head with them. So 
I okay. feel like it's going to be kind of like what you said, LaToya, which is the mom is like, I can't trust anybody in their house. It really had an interesting kind of quarantine feel to me because they can't really go anywhere. They're stuck in, you know, she can't go to work, that whole thing. Um, I think it's going to be Jacob and his dad kind of aligning together and then the mom kind of being on the other side. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that we're going to see a lot more of Andy and his dad. I think there will be a meeting. I feel like Lori will tell Andy about this meeting with Janine because she's going to have to. Um, and I think we'll see more of Sarah and we can kind of see what role Sarah plays and like what she actually thinks. So I'm looking forward to episode five. I, I think we should yeah. learn a lot. I think Lori the pacing that we, had to, that we got episode one through three made it really tough to just do one episode this, this time around. I, I agree. Um, <sighs> Guys, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining in. Um, we can't wait to watch episode five and to see you next week. But until then, please tell our viewers where they can find you both on social media as well as other shows that you're covering. Well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at host K-H-O-S-T-K-A-Y. I am actually doing the Black Hollywood Reporter starting next week. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then today I'm doing Council of Dads at 7 p.m. Hey. You guys can catch me on Instagram at Elgin underscore 22 and on Twitter at Elgin underscore ball. And I'm currently um, loving hip hop. And yeah. I'm Latoya Blakely. I'm on Instagram at Latoya period Blakely. I am on Twitter at Blakely Latoya. And this is my only after show right now. So make sure you tune in next Friday. Woo! Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, have a good night and buzz you later. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.